I know my voice is so small compared to the voice of Jesus. But as we read these words that he spoke, may we together hear them as if he was speaking to us. Would you listen with that spirit? I read today from Matthew 5 and 13. You've heard these words. Hear them again as if for the first time. You are the salt of the earth. But if the salt has become tasteless, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot by men. You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor does anyone light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand, and it gives light to all who are in the house. Let your light shine before men in such a way they may see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. From the Gospel of Matthew, Jesus came up and spoke to them all, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I commanded you, and, lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Would you pray with me? Come, Holy Spirit. We beg you, we plead with you, needing you so. Come, breathe life into us. Forgive us of any ways that we have fallen short. And by your strength, your wisdom, show us the ways we have failed you so that we might turn away from them. Forgive us and cleanse us so that there would be no barrier between us because we are desperate for you. We need your wisdom, your healing, your presence, your strength. We desire to honor you, not only with our lips, but with our hearts today. So be with us, Father, by the power of your most Holy Spirit. Speak to us this day so that when we leave your house of worship, that we will be empowered, that we will be strengthened to go and do your bidding in obedience, in love. And even we desire to be pleasing to you. Come, Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. 1981, I think, was the lowest uh, moment in my life. I, I can think back to that time, and it, it was just a point in my life where I came to the realization that I didn't really care if I lived or if I died. It was that week that there were five different Christians, five different Christians who didn't know each other that came to talk to me about Jesus. All within one week, these five faithful strangers to each other and but friends to me risked what they knew was precious. They overcame their fears. And they spoke words of concern and truth. They all did it differently. Some were a little bit nervous. And, and perhaps it was uh, uh, an unusual thing for them to share their faith. And some did it with a more studied attitude. But all five came. It, it strikes me that uh, uh, four of them went away thinking that perhaps they were failures. You know, that it didn't make any difference. I look forward to the day in heaven where I can wrap my 
arms around all four of those and just let them know how, how thankful I am. Just give them the most holy hug. I don't know if that's possible in heaven. I think it probably is. And I tell you, I look forward to it. One of those his life in me for the next several months. He picked me up in his old beat-up car in Germany and, and uh, drove me to Bible studies, and we memorized Scripture together, and he answered my questions, and yet I'm thankful for all five because the thing is that caught my attention. All five spoke the good news of Jesus, but it was that all five of them were speaking in this one short time frame that truly got my attention, that overpowered me, so to speak, so that I would listen, I would hear. All five shared the light and love within one week. I thought about them all this week as I prepared for this moment. I began to wonder, what if? Because remember now, it was all five of them together that was really overwhelming to me. What if one of them had decided that, mm, I've had a really busy week. Or what if one of them just thought it's too hard? Or what if one of them looked at me and said, man, that guy's just a lost cause. We're just wasting our time. And truth is, they had reason to think that. Each one of them must have sensed a calling of the Holy Spirit to come. But what if some had chosen not to go? Now, I know there is some mystery here, but I wonder how my life would have been different if one or two of those hadn't had come. If they hadn't decided to share what was precious, the light and love of Jesus. I wonder how different my life would have been even today. I don't think Sandy would have shown much interest in me if I hadn't changed my ways. That would have been different. Even if she had, you know, we both passed our faith down to our sons. How different would their lives have been? How different their eternity and over the years, since that one was so faithful, since all five were, by the grace of God, by the power of the blood of Jesus Christ, I've been able to lead perhaps a couple hundred people to Jesus. How would their lives have been different? And I know some of those people, they have shared their faith. They have led others to Christ. And so now it's like, the ripples across the top of a pond all the way to eternity. Because why? Because of one, because of five obedient men and women in 1981. How, how would my life have been different? Some might say, well, God would certainly have sent others, and maybe, I, I think that there is some mystery here, but I'll tell you one thing, those five people would have missed out on the most heavenly huge hug in heaven that I'll ever give. And far more importantly, they may miss out on the words of Jesus. Well done, good and faithful servant. I wonder who might need you right now. Someone at the very lowest part of their life. I, I wonder whose life is on the line right now. Who stands at the crossroads of eternity? I wonder how the perfectly designed puzzle piece of your life will fit perfectly against that other one who's standing at the crossroads. 
that desperately needs someone to share the light and love. I wonder how the future generations may or may not be affected by your faithfulness. It's pretty incredible to consider it. the crystal sea we heard the angels singing someone called your name we turned and saw a young man and he was smiling as he came and he said friend you may not know me now and then he said but wait teach my Sunday school I was only eight and every week you would say a prayer before the class would start one day when you said that prayer I asked Jesus in my heart Another man stood before you, said, remember the time a missionary came to your church, his pictures made you cry. You didn't have much money, but you gave it anyway. Jesus took the gift you gave. And that's why I'm here today. could see each life somehow touched by your generosity little things that you had done sacrifices made unnoticed on the earth in heaven now proclaimed I know up in heaven you're not supposed to cry, but I am almost sure 
There were tears in your eyes As Jesus took your hand And you stood before the Lord He said, my child, look around you For great is your reward Thank you for giving to For I am a life that was changed. Thank you for giving to the Lord. I am so glad you gave. Thank you for giving. who desperately needs you right now, who stands at the crossroads. As you look from a heavenly perspective, who does the Holy Spirit bring to your mind right now? Who needs you? I want to tell you four things this morning I, I know I believe about making disciples. And the first one is this, that this is the great mission that Jesus Christ gave his followers before he returned to heaven. And we see that, we know these words. Uh, they're found in the, the Gospel of Matthew, the 28th chapter, the Great Commission. We see them again, the last words of Jesus of, in Acts 1.8. And in Mark 16, it says, Go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. He who has believed and has been baptized shall be saved, but he who has disbelieved shall be condemned. So succinctly, Jesus commands all who will follow him, all who will follow him, to go. Not only in those words does he command us to go, but he completely or it's very succinctly identifies what is at stake. And what is at stake is grace or judgment, heaven or hell, life and death. That's what's on the line. As, as we stand my soul, listen to the choir this morning. We are not ashamed of the gospel, they cried. We are not ashamed of the gospel. This mission has been passed down to us from generation to generation, and now it rests upon you and me. And it isn't optional. This isn't my idea. This isn't these are the words of Jesus, the one that we call Lord and Master. He says, go. It is a command. 
The second thing I know is that Jesus' plan is simple. He said, make disciples who will in turn make other disciples who will make other disciples until Jesus returns. And he is counting on us. I read the words again this week. I've said them often, but it was encouraging to hear them again. There is no plan B. Mary, you are the plan. Kimberly, you are the plan. There is no backup. Tony, you are the plan. There is no plan B. And and it's like, it seems to me that there's this chain that has been passed down to us. And, And here we are, the link between the past and the future. And it rests on us today. And the decision we have to make when we look at that person, when we know the Holy Spirit has pushed us, encouraged us to go to that person. We are the link, hand to hand, past to future. And the question is, will we be faithful to this command that Jesus Christ has given us to go to share the good news? Some people, it seems to be by our behavior that we kind of think that, well, there's kind of different classes of Christians and some are called to go and some aren't. Now that sounds foolish coming out of my mouth, but by behavior, I think that's what I see. I think that's what we experience. So first we have you know, pastors, priests, and they're called to go. And, and maybe we have others that are kind of, they've gone through some special program, some training. They're equipped. Beloved, I just want to draw to your attention today that I have went back through my sermons for the last five years, and about one out of every five is about sharing our faith. I have taught more on Wednesday and Sunday nights about sharing our faith, one-on-one evangelism, than any other topic. We should be equipped. We're commanded to go. Maybe it's just the super Christians, you know, this super category of people who are called to share our faith, but it, it just isn't so. If we are mature enough, listen now, if we are mature enough to accept Jesus Christ as our Savior, we are mature enough to share our faith. If you know enough to accept Jesus Christ as your Savior, you know enough to share your faith. I, little Rebecca, no bigger than a minute, she said uh, one Wednesday night she needed to talk to me, and she, she went into the office. I thought it was awful serious. She said, I just want to tell you, you know, I had an, a, a, a friend, a new friend that came to my school, and uh, she didn't know anybody, and I saw her at recess, and she was crying, and I went over to her because she was lonely, and afraid, and I said I I would be her friend, and I said I would pray for her, little Rebecca, and then she said, you know, and you can pray to Jesus anytime yourself, and there it is. If you're old enough to accept Christ, if you have enough knowledge to accept Christ, you have enough knowledge to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. 
In fact, your baptism is your commissioning service to go. That's why we light that candle. Jesus said while we are in this, while he was in this world, he was the light, but he passed that light down to us, and now he commands us to go, not to hide it under a bushel, but to put it on a hill, to simply start that conversation, just like Rebecca. And you can pray, for, to, pray, pray to Jesus too. It's not an option. Third, making disciples has been so neglected for so long that now there is a crisis. There is a crisis in the American church, and I would say even in our nation. Studies tell us that only 2% of all Christians, only 2% of Christians will share their faith. And so is it any surprise then that 85% of all churches in America are either plateaued, and by the way, those are the good ones, if you're plateaued, you're holding your own. 85% are either plateaued or in decline. 85%. 2% share their faith. 85% are plateaued or in decline. It makes perfect sense. And so we could ask, what's the problem or what's the solution? I got to tell you, the answers out there are plentiful. And there's not... Four waking hours of my life when I'm not thinking about it, when something doesn't come to my mind, when I'm not getting an email, where I don't have some We need to do something. And so there's folks out there that said, boy, you know, you know, if you just get a better website, you know, you just make it kind of modern and clean and useful. And so you know what? We got a better website now. We do. Or, or, or maybe, you know, some are going to say if you need a specific worship style. Okay, you know, we've made some changes. We're trying to hit a balance. I know it's not always perfect for everybody, but we're trying hard. I'll tell you that. Perhaps we need some small groups. That's a hot answer, and that's a good one. So we've got some small groups for us. And maybe we need better advertising, or maybe the ministerial staff needs to do more work, or we need a better outreach program. I swear to you that we have looked at all of these, and we're, we're doing some of them. But if I could just offer you more study. The question this study tried to answer was, how do people start attending church? How do people start attending church? Church where you can learn about Jesus Christ, where you can accept Jesus as Savior, where you can begin to make him Lord and leader of your life, where you can be discipled so that you can begin your ministry. Do you know what the answers are? You can see them up there. 2% said because of advertisement. That's not a huge success story, but okay. 6% said because I, I was invited by the pastor. 6% said an organized visitation program. How do people start attending church? 86% left, right? Here it is. 86% responded because a friend invited me. And doesn't that just make perfect sense? Isn't, isn't that the way that it's always been? You know, one-on-one. -on -one. If you think back about the scriptures, like the Apostle Paul, the greatest evangelist of all, the, the greatest church planter of all, how did he do it? Very rarely did he get up in front of a large crowd and, and preach the gospel. You know, Mars Hill is about one of the rare times that he actually did that. Rather, what did he do? He invested 
just like that one in 1981 did in my life, one-on-one, Onesimus, Antichius, and then John Mark, and Barnabas, and, and then Timothy, Lydia, the very first disciple in Europe, and on and on, a one-on-one relation. Sometimes it was a, a friendship, and, and sometimes it was just an encounter, but it was that one-on-one invitation that changed the course of a life. It changed the course of an eternity. It changed the, the life of a family and friends. And, and, and you know what? I, I was thinking that that heritage has been passed down from Lydia all the way down even to us today because of one faithful encounter. Are you with me? Say amen. I was watching the, the kids this morning during the children's sermon. I thought that was a pretty good children's sermon. But the children were kind of like, oh, please don't do that. Because we're at a crisis point. The American church is in a crisis point. 2% of Christ followers share the gospel. Less than half believe that it's even their responsibility. And the failure is decaying the church and decaying our society. We wring our hands and wonder how in the world did we get to this place? 50 years ago, for those that are over 50, 50 years ago, can you imagine some of the things that are going on in our country today? 50 years ago, can you imagine such a thing as gay marriage? 50 years ago, Can you imagine abortion on demand up to the day before birth? 50 years ago, can you imagine that that law when it was passed in New York would be celebrated in the streets, that they would have t-shirts made to commemorate and it would be just such a great celebration? That's not a celebration, that's a horror. And if I could point to the one single most contributing factor, considering all the studies, I believe it would be the failure of disciples to stand up and say what they believe in fearlessly with love and with strength. To share the good news of Jesus Christ. Listen, we got to stop looking to politicians for answers. We need to stop looking at Republicans or Democrats. How long is it going to take before we figure out that they're just the same from generation to generation? I don't expect them to act any differently than anyone else. I don't expect a non-believer to do anything but be selfish. I don't expect a pagan to act any way other than a pagan. But you and I, we are Christ followers, amen? That means that we have a responsibility. And that chain from the past to the future in our hands at this very moment and we sang this morning the perfect song man I feel like we should sing that every day I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ and if we not only sang it but lived it this world, this community, this church would be very different, amen if we started to stand up 86% of all the people that come to church came because a friend asked them to come And it's in our hands. What are we doing? 
with this incredible gift that we've been given. Ambassadors of Christ. Light of the world. Salt that gives flavor and strength and preserves life. What are we doing? We must go. The fourth reason is this. That there will be a final exam A judgment day when Jesus will ask us, among other things, whether we obeyed his command to go and make disciples. I believe this with all my heart. Did you hear me? Did you hear me, church? I'm just saying, there's going to come a day when I'm going to look into the eyes of Jesus and he's going to ask me, what did you do with this great light that I gave you? Do you believe it to be true? Say amen. 2 Corinthians 5.10 says, for we must All appear before the judgment seat of Christ so that each one may be recompensed for the deeds in the body according to what he has done, whether good or bad. Therefore, knowing the fear of the Lord, we persuade men. Did you hear? Knowing the fear of the Lord. I kind of wonder, listen, it's all about grace these days. We have been so sold on the idea that we can behave any way that we want. We can ask for forgiveness as we lay down our head and we're just covered with grace and the next day we can get up and do it again. I think we have been convinced that you can walk the aisle, occasionally come to church, put something in the offering plate, whatever you feel like, and that makes you a disciple of Christ. And that's not scriptural. And there's going to come a day when we're going to look into the most beautiful and wondrous eyes and he's going to ask us that question, what did you do with the light and love that I gave you? Where is the fear and the awe of God these days? Paul knew that he had a personal responsibility and accountability to the people of Corinth. And you and I have a personal accountability to the people of Sanford. Paul knew that we have a personal accountability to Jesus Christ, and so do we. When I was an infant in the Lord, just just in the first few days, God called a man named Master Sergeant Dolphus Bell to be my friend and my mentor. It was an incredible relationship. He was an incredible man. I outranked him in the service. He outranked me in the Lord's army. And in those very early days of being a Christian, he made it very clear to me the high standard that I was called to as a man of faith. And I remember the day, I remember his voice so clearly. Dolphus pulled me aside one day and he said, Cal, someday... You will stand before God, and the first question he's going to ask you is, what did you do with my son, Jesus? And he said, what will you say? Live every day. Live every day of your life with that moment in mind so that you'll never be ashamed. Disciple of Christ, what are you doing with Jesus? As you look into his searching, all-knowing eyes, what will you say? Because it seems to me there's so much kind of wishful thinking theology 
that has nothing to do with the scriptures. Wishful thinking theology, something like, I can be a disciple and not have it change too much of my life. No, you can't. I can be a disciple and not have it cost me anything. No, you can't. I can be a disciple and not share the gospel of Jesus Christ. No, you can't. Because it's just simple logic. To be a Christ follower, you need to follow in the footsteps of Jesus. And Jesus did what? He gave up the glory of heaven. He emptied himself of the glory of heaven. He came to endure insults, death, even death on the cross, in order to make disciples. And because he came, if we're going to call ourselves disciples, if we're going to call ourselves Christ followers, because he came, now we have to go. And so this week, I'm going to ask you to do something. I'm asking you to go. You listening? I'm going to ask you to go this week, and I'm going to ask you to invite someone to church next Sunday. This week, I want you to pray first. I want you to ask for wisdom. And then I want you to go this week. Go to that one person, that one family, invite them to come. I'm going to preach on joy in the Lord next week. I want them to hear about that. Perhaps your invitation is going to start a different, uh, a, a deeper conversation. Good. Wonderful. Just kind of keep praying as you're talking and just let it go. Just be yourself because you're that perfect puzzle piece that God has prepared for this moment. You don't have to be anything but yourself. I just want you to go and invite somebody and maybe that will start a deeper conversation. Maybe no conversation, but maybe they'll come next week. Wouldn't that be wonderful? Say amen. And you know what? Maybe they'll just start to give you those excuses. And that'll be a shame. But here's the thing. Just like those four that went away thinking they're themselves failures, they weren't failures. And neither are you. Because why? Because you have been obedient. You fulfilled your calling in that moment. Go this week. Invite just one. No excuses. Would you do that? No postponing. Nothing like, you know, I've heard the craziest thing as I press this. Well, I just don't know anybody that's not a Christian. Go find one. They're all around you. 80% of the city, I, I think, is at least unchurched. And at least half don't know Christ. Go. And be fearless. Because why? You're not ashamed of the gospel. There's nothing to be ashamed of. It is the, the good news that saves souls. Go in obedience to Jesus. Don't worry about it because of church growth. Don't worry because we're in decline. Put that out of your mind. Don't even think about that. Go just because God has done so much for you through Jesus Christ, and now it's your turn to go. Go because Jesus 
has given you love for people in a supernatural way and you just want to see them saved. Go, because he has commanded it, the one that we call Lord. Go out of love for those all around you. Go, because heaven and hell are in the balance. One person this week, one family, one stranger, no excuses, Christ follower, go. Would you pray with me? Even this moment, I'm just... I just go back to a moment years ago where a deacon and a friend said to me, Cal, there's some things you just don't need to pray about. There's some things that you just don't need to pray about because we have been commanded to go. Holy Father, because you have commanded us, now equip us. Give us opportunities this week to share the good news, to invite a friend to begin a deeper conversation. By the power of your spirit, you said that when we pray with the right attitude, with the right intentions, that we can move mountains. We're not praying for a mountain, Father. We're just praying for an opportunity to share. We're praying for the courage and the strength and the insight to speak with love and truth. This week, May we begin a new journey of being faithful. Give us eyes to see the one that you would have us go to. And by the testimony of our life, may we live the words, we are not ashamed of the gospel. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.